Blog Talk Radio. Is this thing on? Is this thing on? Is this so? Speak now, forever, hold your pieces, because why? Well, folks, it's Saturday, and we're going to start this show. All right. No ifs, ands, buts, grammatical errors about it. It's the one, well, maybe we could be cheesy just for this Saturday. I'm going to talk right down to earth in a language here that everyone can understand. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. <laughs> Psych! Allow me to introduce you to the most loyal co-host I have had and all the co-hosts that I've had. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the one, the only, Pizza Simpson. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get into it, Brian. Crown Jewel was this was this past week and uh what a show. It was very WrestleMania like overseas, that was the feel for me. I was thinking the same thing. I think that WWE has done a good job at stepping up these Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabian shows and making them actually worth something and not just like not just having us uh see a super show house show well I mean I had because we don't have access at the same time as Saudi Arabia so I had to rewatch it's uh, four hours and seven minutes to be exact on the time length folks but I didn't really notice because the quality that each match presented was actually not that bad I agree I agree. I thought it was a good show, and I really felt like everybody stepped up. I thought the uh, first match that Hell in a Cell, Edge and Seth Rollins, was a great way to get the show started. I mean, if you're going to start off your first match to set the tone for the rest of your show, I mean, why not? Seth and Edge put on one hell of a... How do I put this? It was a, it was a crescendo of a wrestling match, something that is very rare because it's the old version of Edge that came back, but slightly new version of Edge and Seth Rollins who slightly oversells some shit, but it was still a pretty damn decent match. I uh, enjoyed it. I thought it was a good blow off to a pretty excellent feud. I would say, I think some of the, uh, some of the stupid stuff where Seth was in Edge's house was kind of dumb, but the overall matches paid off, and this was an excellent, this was an excellent blow-off match. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out right away, um, I love the big table spot when uh, Edge shoved, Edge shoved Seth off the top rope, and 
Seth hit like part of the cage and then fell through the fell through the table. That was pretty fucking wild, bro. I think that they did Hell in a Cell justice for the first time because it wasn't the let's pull out a chair, let's tease the table, let someone go through the table, and then let's have some spots here and there. I thought they did it justice because you don't want to start out the match with a loud bang. No, sir. You want to start very, very soft and, you know, it's like, let's exchange pleasantries, okay, and then just go straight into beating the shit out of each other. Fucking loved it. Yeah, I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great match, and it was a great way to finish the, uh, finish the run, and uh, after a bunch of super kicks and um, Edge, Edge, uh, Ed did the double. Ed did the stomp on Seth to win. To Seth to win the feud, and I must say that um, Edge's return has been fucking awesome. A lot of great matches, man. A lot of great matches. I thought it was really great to put him with, really put him, really put him uh, with Seth, and they had some uh, excellent, excellent stuff. Next up, we had Ali and Mansoor, and we saw that the uh, the the tag team partnership kind of spilled over after Ali getting frustrated with Mansoor. I think Mansoor is kind of a, I think he needs a little bit of work. I think, I think he's definitely has something. He has good facials and whatnot, but at this match was, uh, it, he looked very basic. He looked still very, uh, very green. I don't want to say green, but I, I just, he's, he's not ready for raw. I think he should be on, I think he would be perfect for the new NXT. I think so too because can tell that he actually folks little background here. Um this is the first time in WWE history that two Muslims competed against one another at a pro wrestling pay per view. Also, uh Monsur is actually a dude that won an audition and a bunch of people had an auditions in Saudi Arabia like a a year, a year, two, a year or two ago, yeah. he was one of the ones that caught the attention of the scouts WWE. So, anyways, I think that my partner in crime is correct. Uh, he does look greener than shit. He, you know, he's basic. He's got good facial expressions. Uh, Mustafa Ali is a good partner uh, for him. You know, to get to make I him look. Yeah. So I think that you have a good heel baby face dynamic and um i also believe that that match wasn't bad i mean if it was to have uh, an olympic martial artist come out at the end i was like who the hell is this guy and he kicks the head off of mustafa ali at the end i was like wow yeah pretty cool yeah, after um, after a missed 450, uh, Mansoor picks up the win with a pretty sweet neckbreaker, and like you said, that Olympic that the Olympian came in and uh, kicked Ali's head off. And after the match, um, after the match, Ali stated that he's donating all his money, his his uh, his check from that event to charity. So good on him and. Ali is a good dude, and he was a Chicago police officer, so that is a very, very, very tough line of business. So I have all the respect in the world for Mustafa Ali, and I'm happy to see him on Raw, and fuck yeah. Next up, uh, we got RKO, RK Bro versus AJ and Omos, and um, 
I I really did enjoy our I, I really enjoyed Riddle on the on the camel. I thought that was pretty fucking funny. You know, I, I as the old saying goes, you know, Heenan rode the camel first. Riddle, hold my fucking blunt. You know, like, <laughs> honestly, dude, I didn't expect. I expect him to like come out in this really cool like uh, Indian motor scooter, or whatever. Sorry, folks, from stereotyping, but like saying Matt Riddle. As annoying as he could be sometimes, it's kind of funny. At the same time, you just have to go with the flow. I think that the match itself was very it – was, it was your comic relief match because Riddle's basically turned into this character. He's always been this way. But I thought the match between him or almost I cannot pronounce that dude's name, and AJ Styles, like, wow. I mean, they finally getting the big fella to work, and, and I mean this in the – in the sincerest way, he's well, like, like it, it was at first we horror story getting this big dude to, to to work a proper way in a match. Now he's like working the powerhouse diesel type thing, but better. <laughs> you know, I I think that I think on paper, I think um, this is a pretty great match. I have nothing but good things to say about Matt Riddle because I feel like. He can pretty much do whatever you need him to do, be funny or have a sick-ass match, and putting him with Randy Orton is actually pretty – that was a pretty good idea because I think Randy has been playing the straight, you know, stiff, of no no laughing at anything kind of character for for such a long time, and having Riddle to play off of has been kind of fun. And um, I think almost has – I think almost – started off a little slow and um, putting him with AJ was a good idea because AJ can just work with anybody and get the most out of anybody. And as this, as this is going on, this tag team run together almost is getting a lot better. I want to say, and uh, he did not look, he did not look overshadowed by anybody and he kept his own. And I agree. He is, he does remind me of diesel in a way. Um, they uh, RKO RK Bro retain after a RKO and a like flippy duda from Matt Riddle off the top off the top rope. So good match, man. Good match. So far, this was a pretty solid show on paper. Uh, next up was the um, the Zelina Vega, Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop Queen of the uh, Queen of the Ring match, and uh, I didn't see the I didn't see the build I didn't see the matches leading up to this, and I'm I'm pretty happy that they went with somebody other than the same few ladies that they pushed. So it was nice to see Zelina Vega and Dewdrop in a match. My personal opinion is cool because Zelina Vega really didn't showcase. Um, what she was capable of in NXT. I mean, she worked well with Andrade, and their matches with uh, Aleister Black was amazing. Uh, now to see her, like, shown apart from that, the fact that her and Dewdrop put on a decent match, and Dewdrop did have, you know, not some offense. She actually had full offense in there. And to see women wrestling in Saudi Arabia, and Riyadh to be exact, they had to wrestle with... Uh, not their normal uh, gimmick. It was basically long sleeve and pants out of respect. And yeah. uh, I, I think that was pretty neat. I mean, they'd done it before. I mean, I think Natty and someone else wrestled before prior. But uh, 
to see Zelina Vega shine through is pretty cool. And to see the fact that, you know, someone you least suspect to uh, win that Queens tournament, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I, I think that Zelina Vega really let her personality show when she was with Andrade because she was definitely the best part of that package. And um, me personally, I didn't know she was uh, a good wrestler under that. I always thought she was just all personality. But um, Dewdrop looks great here, and I think they – I wish they would just give her a little more. I think, like, her stuff is, like – her outfit, her T-shirt, everything is very, very, like, everything's basic with her. And I just, I don't know. She just seems very Bertha Faye. And um, I I just think she's a little bit better than just, like, a 90, 19, like, an early 90s stereotype. Lena Vega won with a code red, and uh, she's your queen of the ring here. So that was, uh, that was pretty awesome. Next up, we got the... Uh, Next up, we got the Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg match, and uh, fuck this match, by the way. You knew what was coming in the minute, like, these two were faced one another. Goldberg cannot sell for shit, and that's not the only problem. We knew the Hurt Business was going to get involved. Their involvement, really, at that point, I mean, what are you going to do with a guy that doesn't sell for shit? Goldberg didn't even get beat up with Kendo Sticks. He just basically dominated the whole match. Not really said Lashley dominated some of the match, really. So he took out Goldberg's leg. Yet Goldberg was somehow able to freaking fracking stand, okay, and complete a spear and a jackhammer off of a bad, le- uh, off a bad leg. Not only that, but to purposely go up the ramp and know and wait and then Spear. That's not the issue, folks. This match was complete shit, like my partner said. It was just, it was so predictable. It was like, okay, we know Goldberg's going to win. Just ring the bell, please. My my problem with this match is, I, I my problem with this match is, I, I'm sure that somebody's made this point before, when you bring these old-timers back and you have to have them get their win back, I, I, I okay, I can accept that, but you have to also accept that Goldberg's going to go away and Lashley is going to stay. And what what good does it serve if you have him get get squashed and get buried? And Bobby Lashley took a fucking ass whooping in this match. And I thought that was pretty stupid. His point was because Bobby Lashley has more longevity than Goldberg. Goldberg just came back because, okay, well, he attacked his son. Really, you guys? That's the fucking reason why we bring old timers back. Okay, so somebody attacked Sarah again. You know, we're going to bring Taker back out of retirement? I mean, I'm pretty sure the dead man's happy sitting where he is. Thank God he didn't have another match with Goldberg, for fuck's sakes. Right. I definitely think they just wanted to get this match on the on the Saudi on the Saudi Arabian show because I think that since he uh, Bill Goldberg pronouns folks, uh, I think because Goldberg has more notoriety and more casual fans and fans over there are gonna know who he is. So I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, Saudi Arabian prince 
personally requested Goldberg and Mr. Bill made a nice, nice payday. Next up, we had the men's King of the Ring finals, and this was Xavier Woods versus Finn Balor. And off the top, I already thought that this was going to steal the show, and it did. It was just like, wow, you know, you can't, you cannot paint a, a picture perfect match like this one because it was very, like, they knew which offense was going to be used from one another. Like, they, it was like, okay, it's a chess match. It turned into a chess match, and I like how each moment kept you guessing. But at the end, you know, Xavier Woods proved to be, you know, the, the better man. And it was, um, I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah, this, uh, this sold the show, and Xavier Woods is your – Xavier Woods is your king of the ring. Next up, we got Big E versus Drew McIntyre. And um, I don't remember too much from this. This was just a fine professional wrestling match, but it wasn't – I just think this was match one in a nice little feud we got got ahead. And uh, Big E retained. Do you got anything to add? I mean, I'm not – Surprised that most of the champions retained on uh, Crown Jewel, because if, yeah, if one title changed hands, that's gonna flub up Survivor Series, Rumble, and the sequence that goes into Mania. So I'm gonna add something to this. Uh, to me, it seems very basic and bland. It's like, okay, yeah, you hit the ropes. Like, excuse me, <laughs> Big E is a is a brick house on feet. He is um, he's a he's not that tall. But he's powerful. Uh, McIntyre is one of the six foot six. You know, I'm going to beat you not only size, but I'm going to beat you with quickness type dudes. And I thought that you know for this match, I expected more. I'm sorry to sound like an asshole here, but dear lord, you want a basic match and overseas. Nonetheless, okay, congratulations, Big E retain. Cool. We knew that was going to happen. But in the fashion that this match unfolded, like, I'm very disappointed. I'm sorry. Um, I think that, like, I don't know. Maybe this was just going to be something where we probably might get a rematch somewhere down the line, and they're not going to give away too much. I know that uh, I kind of skipped over some stuff because four hours, fuck that. Um <laughs> Becky uh, Becky Lynch defeated Sasha Banks, and she defeated Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair and retained her title. Uh, anything you got there? Like I said, I'm not okay. I'm not surprised. I am. I am not surprised at all because we all know Sasha's slightly better than Becky. We also know that Bianca Belair gets debated upon whether she's, you know, better than so-and-so. I think, actually, I know for a fact that Bianca Belair is a heavy favorite, but I'm not surprised. And I'm just going to add kudos to Becky for retaining whatever. I didn't really pay attention to that match, so we'll move forward. Right on. So Usos defeated Usos defeated Street Profits to retain the to, to the faint the to retain the 
SmackDown or the SmackDown tag titles, and in the main event, Roman Reigns defeated Brock Lesnar after um, using the title belt after Paul Heyman threw the belt into the ring, and it was a whole thing on who's gonna choose, who's who's uh, Paul, who whose side is Paul's on. And um, so, yeah, this is the best thing that WWE's got going right now. But I'm turned off because they've gone back to Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar again. And that is something I don't want to see because I don't want to see Brock Lesnar anywhere near a title. Well, you know, if they didn't learn their lesson the first fucking time around at WrestleMania 31, which I was at, and the only guy to spice that up was Seth Rollins. So to me, like, the only thing keeping this aflame is, I, I love saying this, the extreme genius, Paul Heyman, is the only man keeping this story alive. Without Paul Heyman, this story goes in the absolute shitter, actual shitter, because think about it. No one, no one in their right wrestling fan mind wants to see Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns repeatedly. But now they've upped the ante because Roman won dirty because Lesnar knocked out the referee with you know his F5 and you could have counted to 3,000 and Roman was out. We all fucking knew that Roman was going to retain. And if he didn't, I would have fallen off my chair watching that i would have been like whoa wait a minute yeah yeah buddy so that was uh that was um that was um that was crown jewels and that's why i pretty much only watch wwe pay-per-view because i don't need to i don't need to watch anything else (laughs) so speaking of wwe speaking of skipping wwe uh, TV, uh, how was SmackDown with this week? Okay, SmackDown, it was okay. Let me just explain why <laughs> it was just okay, because we do have some, how do I put this, controversy that we will be discussing later on, folks, and I just, okay, since my phone likes to go off, okay, shoot, do, do, do. Okay, so there's a recap at the beginning of the show of what happened at Crown Jewel between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. The funny thing is, Roman keeps questioning Paul Heyman's allegiance. I don't know what they're they're teasing Lesnar and Heyman again because that was a good, great pairing, but you can't take Heyman away from the one good thing going on with Roman Reigns right now. And that's Paul Heyman. So he said, see how easy that was, Paul? And, you know, he's like handing him the, you know, championship. And he's like, are you sure you last night wanted to hand this to me? Or you wanted to hand this to Brock? I love how they're teasing it. But then, you know, Roman Reigns is holding the show up in Wichita, nonetheless, folks. Because not to be mean, Kansas, but nothing ever interesting happens in Wichita. So... When Lesnar came out, this this show just went completely bananas, or the crowd did, okay? Lesnar came out, and then proceeds not even, you know, chatted up. He just beats, proceeds to beat the ever-living crap out of Roman in and around the ring 
And then the bloodline comes out and Lesnar beats the crap out of them. Then the entire WWE locker room comes out. And then they get beat the crap out of. Then, you know, they come back from all the chaos. And Adam Pearce is standing in the ring and says, I have indefinitely suspended Brock Lesnar. Hmm. Yawn. Heard this before. Again. You know, Lesnar says, I, I'm sure I didn't hear you right, and then proceeds to beat the crap out of Adam Pierce. Funny thing is, folks, when you wear a cheap suit, your pants will rip. Adam Pierce's pants ripped, which was fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay. So, Lesnar then, you know, is told, I don't know if he exited the building or what have you. I didn't pay attention. And Sonya Deville. I don't know whether to laugh or cry at how cheesy your lines have been written for you, but between you and Naomi, who writes it? Who has written your stuff? Um, Because Sonya Deville says, I'm in charge because Kayla came back there and she's not now Kayla. I'm in charge. And then McIntyre comes out of nowhere. So this is a confusing sequence. McIntyre comes out and says, I will challenge anybody. Like, what the fuck does that have to do with – he goes, oh, this is – Drew McIntyre, I see that chaos is going to be on your show, blah, blah, blah. But I want you to know I'm Drew McIntyre. I'll kick ass and take names. And some of a sudden they pull Sami Zayn's name out of the fucking hat. Really? You booked Sami Zayn versus Drew McIntyre? I am confused. That sounds awesome. It, did, it, it, it was awesome, but I am confused. Like, of all the names. Confused? Confused, yes. I like using, a, you know, accentuated, made-up terms, you know, words, sorry, okay. not terms. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. So, Jim McIntyre calls out town, Sami Zayn comes out, and then McIntyre versus Sami Zayn. Then uh, they had a coronation of Xavier Woods from Kobe Kingston, which was pretty cool. They showed the highlights of Crown Jewel. Um, I think that was uh, well-deserved. Oh, okay, so... Becky Lynch talks briefly about the, the uh, state of the SmackDown Women's Championship. Okay, who gives? And then Hit Row uh, finally debuted on SmackDown, which, okay, they face local. You can tell they end up winning. That top dollar is a beast. That man is, I wouldn't want to be across the ring from that big dog. No thanks. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott, the whole fam was there. Uh, they, they're going to, I don't know who they're going to feud with, but I can't wait because this group is going to be something big folks. I don't know. So, um, then Sonya was interviewed and then happy Corbin versus Nakamura for a non-title match. That really, that match was kind of lame. I mean, you had Rick Boogs outside playing the guitar, kind of like, you know, when managers try to... Yeah, Rick Boogs. I'm sorry. That name needs to change his name, please. Give him a different name. No way. No way. Rick, <laughs> Rick Boogs sounds like Rick Boogs. Like, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it just, I don't know. So after that, because uh, Happy Corbin ended up winning off the distraction because Madcap Moss on the outside basically interfered. Trying to stop the guitar. Awesome guitar playing, by the way. The dude has natural talent. It's not, you know, some Larry Lyric type thing that goes in or some added sound that he's just strumming along strings. No, sir. This dude can play. 
And of course, like I said, Happy Corbin, which is the cheesiest goddamn name, but um, he ended up winning the match. And I just, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. At the end of the night, folks, this is going to be part of a discussion later on during the show. But Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch and Sonya Deville were in the ring, and they're supposed to swap titles. There's something off about that segment because I've never seen Becky look like she was, you know, not in character. She just looked like she was fuming, flipping mad at Charlotte Flair. And because they're supposed to hand each other titles and it's just like, okay, I just, something's going to explode when they go off air and Sonya Deville said, okay, you guys are going to your respective shows, Becky you're going to swap uh, the Raw title. Charlotte, you're going to get SmackDown Live. So Charlotte then says to Becky, she, I don't know, I don't know the exact words. Like, she, okay, in the article that I read, folks, I'm going to go off script here, like uh, Charlotte did, but in within reason, said that she did not appreciate being called plastic during Becky promo from year a year or two ago, and I'm like reading this thinking, hmm, well, if the shoe fits, that's what I'm going to say, because they went off there, Becky just tossed the title. She just tossed the title. Like, it really, there's some fucking tension, folks, between those two women, and it just didn't, like I said to my partner earlier, it just didn't feel like Becky really wanted to be in that ring after Sasha came out. She's like, what? Screw this. I'm getting out before I punch Charlotte in her throat. Not the face, her throat. It's just the way she exited, dude. It was so bad. It was so bad. I would never, uh, I would never, I would never watch up. A talking segment with her involved in it, so I wouldn't even have known any of the. It's just, <laughs> it's just so bad. It's like, wow. I mean, you would think that someone would not be as petty as her, like to to hold on to something for that long. Oh, you didn't appreciate my promo, and I said that. Then come to me and say, hey, I didn't appreciate what was said, you know, years ago before she didn't even go out like when she was in Gorilla with Vince, according to sources, that she she just walked out without even consulting with Vince and that's a no no. And that's why Andrade ran his little mouth on freaking Twitter and basically said F U W W E, like, really dude? I mean the company that gave you life, you're gonna tell it to F U because well, never mind. We'll we'll get dive into that later. <laughs> I mean, you, okay, so that was SmackDown, folks, and um, let's just you know we're gonna finagle something. So, um, Rampage was last night. Let's uh, let's talk Rampage really quick. Oh boy. So I, <laughs> I turned on. I was reluctant to turn them on. That's how bad this was. 
Um, okay, so they have a World Heavyweight Championship tournament match. They had Hobbs versus Orange Cassidy. Why? Because they can. AEW is full of tournaments, folks. They're full of a lot of things, but they're full of tournaments. Okay? And the winner faces Preston Vance in the semifinals. Excuse me. You're fine. Orange Cassidy ended up winning that match because of a roll-up. One, two, three. Hobbs dominated during the entire match like normal. And, um, well, Matt, to the much to the chagrin of Matt Hardy, who was at ringside, and the horrible commentary going on between Jericho, Taz, and Excalibur. Thank you, though, Taz, for saving the show alongside with Excalibur. Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pizza. Go ahead. Hello. 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 I thought I was having technical difficulties on my end. Um, can you hear me? Check, check, check. All right, cool. I can, we can hear. Uh, Tony Schiavone and, um, was in there and then Penta got attacked by FTR and Tully Blanchard, which, okay, I haven't been keeping up much with AEW that far, but then Pac ran out and the crowd just went absolutely nuts. And That's then, um, good. Because that was uh, Pac's return after being off TV for a few weeks. And I definitely want to see FTR versus Penta and Phoenix. And uh, I'm wondering where Phoenix was. I think he was probably selling the brain buster that he received from Dax Harwood. Next up, we got Anna Jay versus Britt Baker. Um. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Anna Jay definitely looks her age in professional wrestling. She's definitely very young and has a long way to go. And uh, Britt Baker's not in the point of her career where she can carry someone to a good match. So, And uh, this was not a good match, and Baker won after a... a Britt Baker won after interference. So let's just move on. And uh, Pac versus Andrade was your main event, and this was a uh, this was uh, match number two. This was a revenge. This was the re, uh, rematch after uh, Andrade picked up the win in the last one, and they picked up right where they left off and had another fucking fantastic match until um, until. Uh, Malachi Black fucking interferes out of nowhere. Boy, that brings back NXT. That brings back that brings me back to NXT, Mister Khan. And you know something? Mm-hmm. I don't have a fucking problem with it because if you want to say that you guys are original, fake news. That is such that is such fake news. No. You guys are reinvigorating um something that I've already and others have seen, but no, some people will say, But this is AEW, this is brand new. That's true, but I'll move you, on before I go off the rails. You know what? You know what, you know what, uh, uh Brian, I agree. I think that they 
signed these guys, uh, Black and Andrade, with nothing for with with nothing for them to do, and they're sticking these guys together. And I'm sure it's because they have sick matches. So after after the interference from Malachi Black, Aaron Anderson came out, and the new and improved American Nightmare Cody Rhodes made his return and cleared the ring of Malachi and Andrade. And uh, that was AEW, guys. He's going to add a little something to that. It seems forced with Cody. It just seems forced. That's it. But now, folks, if you will, please, it's been a while since uh, this gentleman has done this. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't want an expansion of pro wrestling like this gentleman can give you, you are sorely missing out because you're about to delve into the world in depth, more in depth with pro wrestling because trust me, you guys need a little slice of pizza. Enjoy. of pizzas back and I got a whole bunch of stuff to say um, first let's let's uh, stop over in Matt Tremont's hustle hardcore hustle organization and a uh, lot of stuff going on over there after the big first off let's let's um, as we march along we have a big weekend from H2O next weekend we have the hustle cup on Friday night which is going to be the wrestling tournament, which I always like. And that's a good break before a bunch of blood and guts that weekend because on the next the next day on Saturday the 30th, we have Matt Tremont's Deathmatch Tournament, which is, should be a fun time. And then, and then making, making his triumphant return to a, America after – a long time a socio Nita is coming to is coming to H two O to have an explosion match with Matt Tremont who's coming out of retirement. Good for Matt and uh this is good for wrestling and this is gonna be a good good big fun fucking weekend for H two O who definitely, definitely deserve it because let me tell you, bro, with their uh, their feud with with four four oh and Ricky Shane Page has been absolutely great. And speaking of four four oh, what was supposed to be H two O's big night um which was supposed to be H H two O's big night 
Ricky St. Ricky St. Page actually survives the barbed wire cage at Hustle at Hustle Mania. He was going in there against. He was going in there against a, a three. He, he was going in there against three other opponents, and and uh, Dylan Grant. Dylan Eckert turns on H2O and costs, costs, uh, saves Ricky Shane Page. So Ricky Shane Page is still the H2O champion. But that night was not a total loss for H2O as they, as they were able to finagle the hybrid championships and the tag team championships. So, so 4-4 is losing its power, and Matt Tremont has announced that he is returning to wrestling, and he says if he can't get anybody to save his title, he's going to fucking take it back himself. So big things going on in H2O. Another little thing I want to touch on is the return of deathmatch legend Mickey Knuckles, who was a long time, long time, long time deathmatch queen for many, 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 many years, who took some time off. And she came back this year or last year, and she has been tearing it up. And for the last couple of weeks, she's had put on some phenomenal matches against one against Eric Ryan, who I'm going to talk about a little bit later. And the the uh, the, uh, the new flavor of the month, Sadika, who herself has been having some fucking crazy matches. So congratulations to Mickey Knuckles to the to the wild shit she's been going on. She's got going on. Uh, what else has been up? GCW has been fucking been tearing it up. John Moxley has defended the championship against Nick Gage with Mick Foley in attendance. DCW just announced the uh, the extension of their brand where they have announced the LA Fights brand. Who knows what's going to happen there tonight? Mick, uh, making his return to making his return to GCW, Minoru Suzuki is taking on Nick Gage. Nick Gage may have lost may have lost the GCW title, but he has been having a bunch of dream matches. So good for him and good for GCW. So what I've been super into for the past for the past year and I've been paying attention to tonight actually going on right now is the big Iron Man death match between John Wayne Murdoch and Eric Ryan and this has been a long standing feud that began last year in April when Eric Ryan defeated John Wayne Murdoch with when he locked him in the lion's the lion tamer and then stomped John Wayne's head while he was on the ground and uh, Ryan Ryan won by referee stoppage but this this brutal feud did not stop there next week in a return match the rejects um, we uh, Reed Bentley and John Wayne pick, picked up a win over Alex Colon and Eric Ryan. Next up, uh, this feud has not stopped. So at Mania Weekend, John Wayne defeated Eric Ryan by uh, referee stoppage in an absolutely insane match to win the American Death Match. But this did not sit well with Eric Ryan. So after this, after this, John, after a long after a pretty wild, after a pretty wild war with uh, indie 
East Coast indie deathmatch indie legend uh, Dan Moff. Eric Ryan challenged Eric Ryan challenged uh, challenged John Wayne to a title match right there, just which which ended in just complete insanity, which was a no contest with with no nobody picking up any headway in this match. In this feud, I should say. Next, uh, the feud continued into Indiana, and and what what I felt was one of the matches of the year. Four four zero steal a victory over the Rejects in just of and just a war, my friend, a war. This this feud has just been disgusting so far, and uh, so so after after all these disgusting matches. John Wayne picked up John Wayne picked up a huge, 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 huge victory over over Eric. I'm sorry, Eric Ryan picked up a huge uh, uh, victory over John Wayne, setting up the Iron Man Deathmatch tournament. I mean, Jesus Christ, I'm so excited! Setting up the huge Iron Man Deathmatch. Between the the two, who've had a long-standing rivalry since last year, so as I've been talking to you for the last for the last hour, the time has been ticking down, and these guys are in the middle of the ring currently, just just beating the ever-living shit out of each other in another match of the year. Independent wrestling may have stopped, and there may have been a lot, not not as many indie shows. But I'm telling you guys, deathmatch wrestling is going a lot, going well, and going strong, really, really, really strong right now. And uh, if we if we count this down, we're getting down to the last like 60 seconds, and um, we're about to. I'm about to announce live who's gonna win this match. And this is just a war. They're just throwing fists, bro. They're just throwing fists. Both men are just completely covered in blood and sweat. They're both wearing the the proverbial blood shirt. 55 seconds, John Wayne Murdoch and Eric Ryan down to their knees. Guys, I'm giving you live. This is tied. This is tied. Here we go. Last 30 Oh my God! Punching it out five to five. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Is the referee just going to stop this? Eric Ryan is just trying. Oh my God! Koji Clutch. Koji Clutch. Koji Clutch at the last. John Wayne locks on the Koji Clutch. Fifteen seconds to go. Oh my God. I was hoping that I was going to try to just give you the results, but uh, my segment came on. My segment came on. And, you know, come on, he's done. And with and folks, there you have it. There you have it. In the last three seconds, Eric Ryan has just passed out to the Koji Clutch in an absolute war. There is no canvas on the ring that is this is wrestling folks this is wrestling folks john wayne murdoch has retained the american deathmatch championship six six falls to six falls to five and that there you have it brother slice of pizza (laughs) see this is what makes this show 
Like I like to call it psychotically beautiful. You know why? Because my friend is a deathmatch fanatic. I I don't know. Certain wrestling has to have a flavor. A six falls to five. Holy crap! And no canvas left. Wow. Absolute war. Absolute war. I was uh. I uh, was hoping that we would do a segment first so I can uh, not have to call it live. But, uh, hey, man, it just kind of worked out that way. And uh, that was live. That was live. Yeah, man. John Wayne Murdoch, who has had an absolute fantastic run as the American Deathmatch champion, has finally defeated his rival. These guys have had a war since last April. And uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Eric Ryan, a, a small little man covered in blood and shit, but uh, credible, 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 credible. But, uh, yeah, we're still doing really good on time. So uh, let's talk about Dark Side of the Ring. You know, dude, if I watch something three or four times, like, honestly, <laughs> it's, it's just like... What the hell is wrong with Rob Black, dude? Like, what? You're still, <clears throat> he deflected all those charges. And let's, let's start off the first of the episode because it starts off with Mr. Welch, who is known as the Messiah. And the, the beginning of the very. The let very me, oh, go ahead. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little, 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 little story there just because I have a little bit more uh, experience because I watched this when it first happened 20 years ago, the Messiah was actually, he was the son of God. That's what he was, that's what he, saying, he was saying he was. He was saying he was the actual son of God, but he was doing death matches. <laughs> so there's that. And there's some familiar faces. I don't know this dude personally, but I've had one of his students on my show, Buku Dao. He wasn't on Dark Side of the Ring, but Luke Hawks. Um... Yeah, <laughs> and just um, Chaos and Supreme is no longer with us, and New Jack who's also no longer with us, and you know it's bad when New Jack has to call up their promoter and say, Rob, did you send two guys on Messiah? He even let's, left uh, let's take, on the reporter. Yeah, let's take this. Let's take this segment by segment because uh, there's a lot to digest here. Um, first off, Rob Black was. Um, his pornography, it really toasts the line of uh, is this legal or not? So, of course, a guy like that who's going who's gonna, to, like, get into the professional wrestling, he is going to be an absolutely horrible – he's going to be a horrible, horrible, horrible promoter. Um, yeah, dude. So, next um, – I had no idea that – I had no idea that Paul and Rob Black actually were in cahoots together, but I kind of don't believe that. I don't think Paul Heyman wanted to associate with trash because that's what, after I heard Luke's story, I automatically was enraged because, uh, let's say, you know, Um, the beginning beginning of the story was like Paul Heyman and uh, they were supposed to be like the West Coast ECW. Um, bullshit, dude. No one's ever going to duplicate ECW. 
Yeah, that was uh, so. So I think what what you're referring to is um, so when a refer when a wrestler takes a uh, chair shot, it's um, pretty much muscle memory for him to throw him or her to throw their arm up or hand up to uh, protect themselves from that from that shot, and for Rob to get mad get mad at uh, Luke for protecting himself is completely, completely, completely out of fucking line. That's fuck. That's fucked up, dude. That's fucked up, dude. And then to retaliate by to retaliate by pretty much having a public a crucifixion and having him take several fucking chair shots like that. What if he killed him? You know what I mean? That's fucked up. Well, and the we'll Luke... get to somebody almost dying. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, for Luke to describe how he described it pissed me off because it's like um, if someone trains in professional wrestling, you're taught, okay, throw your hand up so that it masks the blow so that you don't throw your neck out. That's the honest to God truth because if you're that stupid, you can get concussed. You can get just completely out of sorts and when he was describing what he was describing I just became incensed because it's like dude how dumb do you have to be yeah oh it didn't look good because Messiah didn't throw his hands up well back then Messiah was a dumb 22 23 year old kid who didn't know no better and when Luke who was actually trained and seasoned a little bit more maybe not too much but dear lord like that that part really caught my attention I'm like Wow, you you basically handcuffed him and publicly crucified him. And what if he's right? My partner's right. What if he would have died in the ring? Well, then Supreme would have been fine, you know, like arrested for man involuntary manslaughter because you can kill someone doing that shit. Yeah, that was that's pretty fucked up. So that yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Um, next up, uh, the big thing that I'm surprised is. This is nuts, but uh, Messiah, Messiah and uh, Lizzie Borden, like, you know, torrid affair that ended up getting Messiah on the, um, getting Messiah on TV for getting his thumb cut off. Holy fucking shit. That part, I, I was like, wow, you're going to send two guys. There's no proof. They, the, <laughs> Narrator Chris Jericho said there's no evidence linking him to the crime. And it's like, um, I'm pretty sure the way Rob was uh, depicted and acting by other dudes, like he told other dudes like uh, what happened. It's like, yeah, you don't fuck the boss's wife or girlfriend. But at the same time, you also don't send two dudes to someone's house to basically teach him a lesson. That's very mafia style, like real for real talk, yo. <laughs> That's just it's yeah. insane. It's insane. That's really fucked up. And I'm glad Messiah was able to not, you know, I'm glad Messiah was able to live there and uh the guy you know, was a wrestler and was able to take care of himself. So God bless to that. And side note, Messiah left after Messiah left uh XPW, he went to CZW and had an excellent run there and had some wild times there. So he had a nice little run before he retired 
and it turned out to have a pretty good um pretty good run in X, uh, CCW and um yeah so uh so the way the way XPW ends is uh quite wild okay so um as as we said as we stated before uh, extreme associates XPW's parent company they really like to put out a bunch of hardcore pornography that really toted the line of is this legal or not and when these films were produced they ended up getting the attention of news outlet sources like inside edition and um uh Rob basically challenged the FBI. <laughs> Which was the dumbest fucking thing any individual could ever do. You're going to challenge the Attorney General and the FBI. John Ashcroft, who was the active Attorney General at the time, basically stated to him, like, on live TV, he's like, but my movies are just movies. And it's like, dude, quit trying to imitate Flint or uh, Hefner, because you're not even going to come close. Yeah, so what what happens here is uh, after challenging after challenging the government to come and check them out, they ended up getting raided, and a bun- they got a bunch of charges, and Lizzie Borden and Rob Black, they were faced with so many charges that they were up for life in prison, and somehow, some way, somehow, some way, they survived and only got hit with one charge and ended up spending a short amount of time in in short amount of time in um, federal jail for their for their horribly disgusting pornography films, and that brought the that brought the um, that brought the company down. But before we glaze before we finish this off, let's not glaze over the Vic Grimes New Jack scaffold match. Holy fucking shit, my man! I, okay, so from previous. Uh, let's see, The Life and Crimes of New Jack on another episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Um, New Jack discussed exactly what happened uh, in the scaffolding match with Vic Grimes. Reason for this match? Well, let's just say, you know, promoter wants to see violence, right, and stupid shit. The scaffolding kept moving back and forth according to former associates. Was, you know, they thought it was supposed to be for cameramen. But with this structure wasn't even stable, so Vic Crimes basically takes out a taser, and you hear in the story of the life and crimes of New Jack. New Jack says, "Vic, I can't feel my legs. You won't need them. Bombs away!" And proceeds to throw Vic off the scaffolding that was not stable. On the table. Thankfully, he hit him with his legs because if he would have hit with his ass, he would have been on the concrete. New Jack wouldn't have given a shit. So, New Jack basically, you know, as in his mental frame of mind, does he give two shits? No. I mean, because Vic Grimes' life really didn't matter to him because New Jack told the story of when Vic Grimes threw New Jack 
like with him and New Jack cracked his skull. This was before XPW. Okay. Yeah, so, back in let's get, yeah let's get into that. X uh, back in ECW they were going to do a table spot and they were supposed to both go off and Vic kind of waffled so Jack just jerked him off that fucking thing and he Vic fell on Jack's head and sandwiched his head between on the ground with his fat ass body and uh, cracked Jack's fucking head, man. That blows. And so so Jack was fucking pissed off because Vic never reached out at, reached out to him afterwards. So this was his revenge. This was Jack's revenge on Vic. So he was going to – he was trying to hurt this man. That was his fucking goal. I mean, you reap what you sow in wrestling, man. You can't just, oh, well, I uh, hope we have a good match. Uh, Vic Grimes wasn't the brightest of individuals. He thought, you know, as Jim Cornette had put it, Vic Grimes was not built to be a wrestler, or as in Sandman's words, picture Humpty Dumpty with legs and arms. <laughs> that was just the best description. And Yeah. The, basically, the scaffolding match, and, and uh, New Jack basically said, uh, so what did Rob think? Oh, he loved the match. He said, oh, Jack, I love the match. Here's your bonus. That's, you know, that's just yeah. two, two brilliant, psychotic, brilliant, evil masterminds talking amongst one another. So, for you know, bro, to wrap this thing up, um, this for me was definitely, like, a good episode of Dark Side of the Ring because, like, this was an actual, like, dark side of the fucking ring. With a, this was a crazy fucking story, man. Yeah, I mean, because they had they had asked previous people, and one person at the beginning of the episode grabs her inhaler. And because she just, I guess, had some form of anxiety when they're discussing Rob. So I just, I thought it was so funny. I'm like, wait, why is she grabbing her inhaler? This is pretty wild. Yeah, bro. So, um, yeah, let's... Uh... Let's uh wrap it let's wrap this up. Wrap this episode of uh Dark Side Up. Yep, and um uh, uh, yeah. Dear Lord, what is going on with my Facebook? Okay, if you have any questions, folks, comments, concerns, um you can directly message Pizza Simpson directly on his Instagram, but for uh any other messages you can directly message either one of us at wrestle underscore radio on Instagram. Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com and also on Twitter at underscore Brian Rails on the Twitter handle. Okay, so let's wrap things up. XPW is crazy because uh, those two gentlemen that came into Messiah's house ended up on an episode of America's Most Wanted. Uh, Rob refused to be a part of the episode because I don't think it would have been very great if he was a part of the episode, and neither was Lizzie. They ended up spending a year and a day in prison. Um, to sum things up, Messiah is doing fine. He's got two kids and a wife. Luke Cox is now in Hollywood. And um, Chaos owns his own wrestling school out west. So they're all doing great. Supreme is not no longer there. Uh, New Jack, rest in peace, dude, no longer there. So XPW was a crazy chapter that never got to fruition because the promoter was not that bright and didn't know how to expand. So he's like... Herb Abrams kind of, sort of, without all the cocaine, just with porn. So, 
to sum it up, it was just like, wow, XPW was crazy, and it was insanity. And that pretty much sums up, um, what the hell is going on here? Sorry, folks, and that pretty much sums up XPW. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is the point in the show where opinions and viewpoints are not direct reflections upon the companies WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, APJW, ECW, GCW, ICW, so on and so forth. Off the rails uncensored is a trademark podcast that was formed, coined and phrased off the rails, uncensored, March 7, 2016, any reproductions or likeness thereof, or concepts without written consent will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Now, if you don't mind, I have some unfinished business to attend to. I mean, I haven't really done this in quite some time. So if you don't mind, monkeys in the truck, could you hit my music? to discuss with you all and the two main topics that I'll be touching base with first and foremost the ratings war between AEW and WWE Smackdown Live I believe Booker T said something very profound I'm not going to read Booker T actually what Mr. Khan had said I'm just going to tell you What Booker T said Because that's only fair, right? It may be sounding biased But here goes This is what Booker T said about Tony Khan And his little statements about rating wars Alright I'm of the sentiment that Tony Khan is doing a lot of talking about nothing Go out and produce a good show. At the end of the day, we'll know who won if that's what we're looking for. If that's your goalpost, if that's where you are trying to score, if that's what you're trying to score in. But all of this talk about what you're doing, this and that, back and forth, I swear, man, it sounds like a little schoolgirl saying how pretty she is over the other girls on the schoolyard. The man's got a point. 
and I'm going to bring up some very other valid points. All right. The overall viewers of WWE SmackDown was 866,000 from 8 to 10.30 on Fox Sports 1. AEW Rampage had 578,000 overall viewers from 10 to 11 on TNT. Yes, okay, so the 18 to 49 demo rating WWE SmackDown 0.24, 314,000 viewers from 8 to 10.30 on FS1, number 309 on the cable. AEW Rampage, 0.24, 18 to 49 rating, 313,000 viewers from 10 to 11. Number four on the night on cable. Head to head, 10 to 10.30. SmackDown, 878,000 viewers, 293, 18 to 49. AEW Rampage, 602,000 viewers, 328,000 for the 18 to 49 viewers. I really don't care what that sounds like, but didn't it just sound like AEW? I don't care. I'm with Booker T. If you want to put on a good show... Put on a damn good show. That's all that matters to wrestling fans. If you don't put on a good show, how are we able, as fans, to know who you are, what you're about? Because I guarantee you, the casual wrestling fan is kind of the most important in my in my demographic and others' demographics as well, according to Forbes and the other uh, circuitries that are provided as sources that will tell you what's a good show and what's not. Okay, so according to this, SmackDown won in overall viewers, but the show's virtually tied in the key 18 to 49 demographic, which is one of the most important metrics looked at by advertisers. Not a lot of people are familiar with who Cody Rhodes is unless you watch various other shows that he has been a part of. And not a lot of people are familiar with certain people on AEW's programming, yet the reason why they won the 18 to 49 demographic head-to-head is because there are some fans who believe I lost touch with WWE when. There's always going to be the I lost touch with AEW when they've only been around for two years. A sip of coffee, if you will. Okay. Moving on. To what I know, okay? So, I'm under the impression that after reading those statistics, that if Tony Khan wants to laugh at Eric Bischoff, as he had said in prior statements, that, you know, I don't know why Eric, you know, is telling me the way he talking to me the way he is because he said he wanted me to go head to head. So are you looking for reassurance? Are you looking to be reassured by someone who's been through the wars with Vince before? Because right now AEW is winning the uh, we're about wrestling wars. Outside of that sentiment, from other fans, like, look, Britt Baker and not just her, but what am I trying to get at? Okay, I'm not going to sugarcoat shit. She's overrated, and she really can't carry anybody, and she needs outside help to enhance her character. 
that's saying something. I mean, to use somebody's finisher with a black glove, is that wrong? Because finishes can be taken and they can be reproduced. Not just that character that bothers me, but AEW basically is more concerned about who's winning the ratings war instead of you know, producing fine, fine quality product. And no offense, the only superstars, actually wrestlers I should refer to, that are well-known on their show, if I'm being honest, is Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, CM Punk. And the hilarity of this is Adam Cole, baby, still exists. It did in Ring of Honor. It did in NXT. And now it surfaced in AEW. The other thing is... There are some times that AEW just reminds me of what WCW and watered-down ECW look like. And that, to me, says you've got a bunch of people that came from a company through which gave them life and gave them breath. And Andrade... One of the character, you know, one of the guys from AEW had basically stated on Twitter, "FUWWE." Wow, did anybody care that those shots were fired? No. But to whole, actually, I'm not going to wrap it up just yet. WWE has been a staple in the wrestling community for what? How long? Over 50 years. AEW has only been around for two. And everything they're doing is starting to parallel in comparison. Actually, it's paralleling what WWE has been known for. And that's reality TV shows like Ms. and Mrs. So now you have Cody Rhodes' reality show. And I'm not so sure how to perceive it. I've seen one episode. I'm just not really on board. This is not just a personal bias. This is observing them and seeing them for what they are. Oh, and um, when you force stories, you force the feel of a story, it doesn't become a story. It's just forced. Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black. Malachi Black and Andrade pairing up together. That's very weird. And it's not natural. They're trying to give us a new look. I get it. I completely 100% for real get it. But if stories are forced and only half your show is decent, you're not going to last long as a company. And I'll go on the record as saying that. What Triple H said at Hall of Fame around WrestleMania 35 was very true. For those who chant AEW, cool, chant whatever you want. But at a WWE Hall of Fame show, what I'm getting at is Booker T is correct. Instead of you know trying to produce a good product, you're too busy worrying about where your ratings are, and just because you beat WWE in one key demographic, you're jumping up for joy. 
mean, that overall SmackDown beat AEW because why? There's more intrigue on SmackDown than there is AEW in the sense that WWE doesn't have access to CM Punk because Punk signed a separate contract, by the way, when he was on talking or raw talk or whatever. Also, there seems to be a bit of confusion as to why Booker T, you know, said what he said. No, there's no confusion on this. And I'll read the statement again. I'm of the sentiment that Tony Khan is doing a lot of talking about nothing. Go out and produce a good show. At the end of the day, we'll know who won if that's what we're looking for. If that's your goalpost, if that's where you're trying to score it. But all this talk about what you're doing and this, that, back and forth, I swear, man, it sounds like a little schoolgirl saying how pretty she is over the other girls on the schoolyard. Meaning there's some pettiness involved between Tony Khan and, you know, Vince. It's like, dude, you know, eventually the dude who exonerates himself and brags so much to the point where we as fans get it. AEW is doing a great job in some areas and it's lacking in others. Does that mean they can improve? No, it means they can because obviously that's where a lot of people have taken interest in and wants to wrestle in because they realize this is their chance. This is their one shot, if you will. And if they don't make it, they're lying and saying, if I don't make it, so what? Some people really have thick skin. Some people don't. What am I getting at? The reason why AEW has caught the attention of a lot of people is because you have names floating around there like Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Billy Gunn. The list goes on and on. So they're not lacking in names. The problem is, if you're not doing anything with said names, what is the point? Not about those names I just listed, but Malachi Black, Andrade, Chavo. You got a long list. Of names that are just sitting there. Stockpiled in good matches, but other than that, what Booker T is trying to say is if you really can't get past the, oh, I'm going to beat you in ratings, where you're going to fall prey to victim fairly quick. That's why Eric Bischoff was not so keen on this whole being cocky about winning the head-to-head because you may win a lot of battles with Vince. But when it comes to absolute wars, be ready, my friend, because I'm sure you're laughing right now at what Eric had told you and the statements he had made about you. But this is the same man who went head-to-head 
with Vince McMahon back in the heydays of the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff. And you say that things are different, really. So are you prepared for what comes after year three, year four, year five? And if you get to it, if AEW is lucky, if they get to year 10. So I'm going to wrap this up by saying the following. It absolutely fucking irks me that there's talks about this being a better wrestling war than the Monday Night Wars. I I don't know how to put this, but my head my head absolutely hurts when I hear cockamamie bullshit like that. The Monday Night Wars things were organic and not forced. By forced, I mean yeah, we're in a wrestling war. Let's do this. Let's make notice. There's no mention of the other side. There's no subtle jabs from WWE to AEW. AEW seems to be the only company taking jabs at WWE. And they're friends with one another. That's the funny part. They are friends with one another. Some people, okay? And people will always make the assumption that one company is better than the other. No. It is wrong to do that. In wrestling, until there's like something clear and concise, you really don't fucking know and you really shouldn't judge. So, enough of the nitty-gritty. Let's move on to the Charlotte-Becky incident. So... There was tension between Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. It was supposed to be a peaceful handing off of the titles, which is a retarded story to begin with and no fighting for titles, but you know, it is what it is. The crowd in Wichita was amped and they were getting everything in order until dum-dum-dum. Charlotte had to open her mouth, and um, let me just read something with you all, okay? This, essentially, is what happened after the show went off air. Charlotte didn't consult with Vince before she uh, went out from Gorilla. She just walked out. To the ring. So it says Charlotte Flair seemingly come out of a recent backstage altercation with Becky Lynch following WWE SmackDown with the most heat. Okay. So they're forced to swap their respective women's championships as part of this week's main event on SmackDown. The segment saw Charlotte drop her title, which the Queen claimed was an accident before Lynch drew the SmackDown Women's title at Flair. There's heat on Flair in certain circles for disrespecting Lynch and some who felt Flair took a segment that was supposed to build herself versus Sasha Banks and instead put all the attention back on herself. And Lynch, when Banks was being placed in a position to be on the top babyface for SmackDown brand. 
There are some who felt this undermined banks where there was a planned strategy. Not okay. Yeah, I agree. It was an awkward, awkward segment. And so let's see here. If Bianca Belair would have beaten Charlotte Flair, she wouldn't have thrown a hissy fit, really? I don't think so. It says Brian Alvarez of the Wrestling Observer. Let's see here. Charlotte Flair wasn't asked to leave the venue, but was escorted out of the facility by security instead. <laughs> okay, and this was all because she called, Becky had called Charlotte plastic in a prior promo. Excuse me. If we're going to hold a grudge for that long, then I guess what I'm trying to say is like that's something that's very personal. And it's it's kind of funny because we all know that Charlotte Flair leaves for months at a time after plastic surgery. And I won't say where because I'm trying to be nice. But um, here's the thing. I think that if someone has an issue with someone, not just wrestling, come out with it. Hash it out. It's not good to hold in a lot of shit. Because you know why? If they were to have a match... And Charlotte didn't tell Becky, well, I didn't appreciate what you said, you know, a year or two ago. I'm pretty sure Becky would have laughed her ass off at her. That is fucking petty on Charlotte's end to be like, well, I didn't appreciate being called plastic. Really, Miss Diva? Are we really going to focus on what happened a year or two ago because you don't She doesn't really share the spotlight well with anyone. And does that sound utterly familiar? Because there are some parts of Rick's career that kind of mirror this. Rick loves sharing the ring with Dusty Rhodes. He loves sharing the ring with Roddy Piper. He loves sharing the ring, you know, loves sharing the limelight with a lot of guys. What does it have to do with Charlotte holding a grudge? There are certain people that Ric Flair does not like. And hmm, can I give you an example? Sure. Chris Canyon, anyone? It's not that I didn't like him. It's just that he was pointing out, well, you're not any that good, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're blaming your shortcomings on... uh, on the business like come the fuck on well at least Rick was out with it his daughter on the other hand my lord I keep repeating this in a circle but being that petty and then going out to doing a segment not even consulting with the head honcho himself that's saying does she even care about the business does she even want to be in WWE because there have been a lot of stuff flying around about her leaving to support her um well, I'm going to love saying this. Her mid-card, Andrade. Andrade's got some very good talent, but dear God in heaven. 
of all that is good and decent. Just like I'm going to use this comparison. Just like the Mahomes, I'm going to. Would you please shut the hell up? You're not The Rock. You're not Stone Cold. And I don't think even those guys would take to fucking Twitter to tell another company to, you know, to fuck you. Like, wow, if it wasn't for WWE, this guy would have been in the complete shitter. And now I'm going on tangents about her man. Well, here's the thing. If you knew something was volatile and now you're adding fuel to the fire by going to Twitter to say fuck you to your former company, what are they going to do? They can't fire him. He's already been let go. But at the same token, we also know your woman's having conflict with another female because she's that fucking petty and she's that distraught about something that was the truth about her. I mean, she's had, like I said, I'm not going to say where her surgeries have been, but to take that amount of time off and still get championship matches when there are other women on the roster who can relate to the audience better. But I think the one nice thing that Charlotte did do is she mentioned how she's a big fan of Bianca Belair and how Bianca Belair would be a great selection to be a champion. That was one nice thing that Charlotte did, but there's one problem. Of all of the uh, nice things Charlotte supposedly done or said towards Bianca Belair does not equate into what Becky Lynch felt because it's like she wasn't just handed the belt and to go off script, isn't that a bit bold? I mean, just because you hold the championship and you... You put a name like Flair behind it, and she's won the championship 12 times. 12, folks. She has won 12 championships. And I don't think swapping championships counts as winning a championship. But you get what I'm saying? When you have that much prestige and that much, I guess you quote-unquote honor I'm being a women's champion, not just women's champion, a brand champion. And you're going to be that that one person, that one stink that literally it looks bad. It looks it looks horrible. Not only do you go against the grain and disrespect the boss by walking out of gorilla by you know not acknowledging Vince McMahon which a lot of superstars from the past and present, some do and some don't. But if you want a paycheck and you want to keep working, I would have um, consulted with him like, okay, do you feel good? You know, this is what's, you know, are you ready? Make this work. Because Sasha walking out there, just it just seems so off. The minute that Sasha Banks walked out of the curtain, after the fact that Becky Lynch threw, literally threw the title on the ground because Charlotte looked like, I'm pissed and I'm not going to care what you have to say. I'm just going to get out how I feel. That is fucking selfish. I mean, that must be a trait of the Flares, to be selfish. Because, honest to Betsy, I'm pretty sure Rick was 
you know, selfish at one point in his career. And you know why? Because the man basically built his career making others look great. Charlotte Flair. It's like let's pick and choose who I want to make look good, and that's not that's not a healthy work relationship in the world of wrestling. You have to establish respect in the locker room, and I'm pretty sure that it's like a mixed bag of emotions on how people truly feel about Charlotte Flair. And some people will give you their honest opinion. They really don't like the woman from what I've been hearing or reading, sorry, from what I've been reading. I'm, I'm tired, folks. But you get what I'm saying? If there's a coworker of yours that, at work that you really have issues with and you feel like you're going to let things build, let things build, and then in front of the boss say, wow, you really suck at doing this job, and I've seen you, and boy, you know, you're terrible. That makes you look bad, number one, and two, that's not how you go about doing things in any line of professional work. So what I'm trying to tell you guys is it's wise that you pull someone aside that you're having your issues with, and you say, hey, I'm having issues with you and the way that you are going about what you're doing. The way that Charlotte presented it was, I'm going to let things boil. I'm going to let things fester for a year, two years, and I'm not going to say shit until we're live on air, until things Absolutely, you're going to hit the fucking fan. And nonetheless, on SmackDown Live, when cameras are rolling, and you can clearly tell Becky Lynch really didn't appreciate what Charlotte had to say. I mean, Sonya Deville was even caught up guard. Sonya Deville looked pissed. And I'm pretty sure that if anybody else was in that ring, that it was going to be, I don't know, fists were probably going to fly... Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, after you know, Sasha Banks basically gave the what for to Charlotte, but Becky Lynch basically walked out. She threw her hands up and was like, I'm done. I'm not even going to stay in this ring. I'm going to walk out and I'm going to be the bigger person. I don't know, guys. Let me just see if I can dig here. Oh, sorry. Okay. It's going to take a bit, so we're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Wrestle Radio Network. Took a lot less. So here we go. This is what uh, sparked the uh, actual controversy. Take a listen. Okay, after the ad, let's take a listen. Very special transaction. Becky Lynch, you are currently the SmackDown Women's Champion. 
but you have been drafted to Monday Night Raw. Charlotte Flair, you are currently Raw Women's Champion, but in the draft, you were selected by Friday Night SmackDown. Great draft. As number one, everyone. Okay, remember okay, okay. that. With, with that being said, right here, right now, we are going to exchange the championships, and you two will go to your respective new brands as the women's champion. Understood? They don't seem impressed uh, by this situation at all. Charlotte to relinquish the championship first, the Raw Women's title. This is a massive ordeal. It takes forever to become champion. To just hand over your title has to be incredibly difficult. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sonya Deville giving out orders. reaction she did keep her cool in the midst of what Charlotte was trying to do which was trying to needle Becky trying to piss her off if someone does that to you in the world of professional wrestling or anywhere 
You know, it's very rare that fists won't start flying or words won't be exchanged. So, allow me to elaborate further. In all of Charlotte's career time at WWE, she didn't feel confident for the very beginning of her career. Becky, same thing. So they kind of were cut from the same cloth. But, you know, it, it is... It is what it is. Both came from different lines of work. Becky was a went to clown college. She was a stewardess. Charlotte Flair really didn't want to be a professional wrestler. She actually wanted to finish out her career in volleyball, and then that was it. But if it wasn't for one of her brothers passing away, she would have never gotten involved in professional wrestling to begin with. Then NXT comes. And long story short, Becky's career took a long time to come to fruition, not till 2016-17. Then 2018 came along, and all I'm going to tell you is Becky Lynch exploded, you know, with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair and their triple threat match and first ever women to headline a wrestle or yeah, to main event a WrestleMania, and it was in Meadowlands. It was in New York, actually New Jersey, sorry. WrestleMania 35, and since WrestleMania 35, Becky Lynch. You know, she made headway. She made a splash by being Bianca Belair in 26 seconds. Charlotte Flair has had spot appearances and won championships in said spot appearances after being away for three months, four months, three months, four months because of injury, because of surgery, injury, surgery. And did it ever occur to one of us fans that... Charlotte Flair seems a bit overrated in some instances. Whenever she wins a championship, we're least surprised. Uh, whenever she loses a championship, we're all very happy. So she gets crowd reactions. That's not the issue. It's what, you know, it's how she handled her beef with somebody, dude. If somebody is going to be that petty over something that happened a year or two ago, when Becky basically said, well, at least I'm not fake. At least I'm not plastic. You know, if the shoe fits, sweetie, that's all I'm going to tell you. If you feel offended or you feel annoyed by what Becky had said to you, that I'm clearly going to point this out, doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. For this kind of thing to be a big deal because Charlotte really wanted Bianca Belair to win the championship. She went to go to Orlando to support her her man, Andrade. And this is one big shitstorm. 
that is either going to go away or just keep on festering. So, in conclusion, if you have a problem with someone, fucking stand up and say something about it. Two, I'm not going to repeat myself in a fucking circle about this whole ordeal because we all know eventually after years of this shit, it'll blow over. I mean, it only took Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart almost 25, 26 years to make amends. So, things will be documented. Hopefully, it won't be a dark side of the ring detail, you know, or uh, episode. It'd be really fucking funny if it did, but, you know, wouldn't hold my breath. Anyways, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails or Pizza Simpson had to say, then we got three choice words. For you. Forget about it. Toodles, bitches. I gotta go get some snacks or something. You know, it is Saturday. Thank you for listening. Tokyo, Toronto, Montreal, Mexico City, Ireland, Germany, of course, the good United States of America. Tune in next week. Actually, tune in tomorrow. We're doing part two of Wrestle Radio Network. First time ever on a Sunday. So. Good night, be safe, and have a good Halloween, all right? For real, though, hit the music.